10 minutes it is now before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories, and I'm joined uh, to uh, take a look at some of these stories by Zwelak Mguni, Chief Investment Officer and Co-Founder at Benguela Global Fund Managers. Kwabe, good evening to you, my brother. How are you doing? Good evening, Aya. Good evening to your listeners. Thank you very much uh, for taking time out to join us. Kwabe, I want us to start off here with uh, what's happening at Afrimat. Now, it seems uh, Unicorn Capital Partners, Afrimat, and uh, I guess an anthracite mine in the middle of this, and a business rescue process. Uh, uh, how do we make sense of all of this that's happening here and some of these maneuvers? Look, it looks to me that uh, uh, Afrimat is trying to basically uh, get a new business plan in place uh, on Komati. So Komati is one of the uh, hard coking, hard coal uh, miners, and uh, Afimed is one of the service providers through contact services, contact mining services, and they are a shareholder in a company called Unicorn Capital Partners, which is which owns sixty percent of Komati. So it looks to me mm. that there is a disagreement around. Uh, how to take the business forward after uh, it, it has been impacted by the lockdown. So it looks like uh, Afrimet is using this route of business rescue to basically get a new business plan in place to avoid the liquidation of the of the mine. Mm, mm. And, and when you look at this, I guess, I mean, for, for them, uh, if indeed the competition authorities don't give the sign-off for the takeover, um, how would, uh, I guess, liquidation benefit them in the immediate? So, of course, I mean, if uh, for for Unicorn Capital Partners, it would mean that their assets are sold and they can get uh, what they, they they don't have to wait much longer to get uh, their share of the assets. But I think if uh, it goes the, the 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 business rescue route, it means that they, there is a longer payoff plan that would be required, and uh, it might not actually. To their their own interests. So I, I think if the competition commission gives a way to uh, Afrimet to buy a unicorn, I, th- I, th- I think that would probably solve the problem. But it looks like there is a deadlock somewhere between uh, the sellers of unicorn and Afrimet. Mm, mm, mm. Let's let's shift our attention now to the retail sector. I mean, uh, I, w- I was quite surprised when I when I saw. Uh, you know, uh, a check is coming out with uh, this loyalty program, extra savings. And it seems that it's certainly been a boon for them during the, the lockdown because uh, they've been able to claw away a nearly 4 billion rand in market share from some of their competitors on the back of this particular program. I think indeed what, what uh, is different about their program is that it is not a point system. It's actually an actual cash saving. And, and as you know, they... They were the late comer to this whole uh, loyalty card system, uh, only coming in last year in October into the market. Uh, and they seem to have gained because during difficult times, people don't want to have points. They actually want to have uh, uh, some value that uh, they can uh, uh, benefit from immediately. So I think with the COVID-19 uh, lockdown, people have seen some benefits that they can extract out of uh, this loyalty program uh, from ShopRite. And, and and I think that has meant a lot for for them in return because they were able to move some of the footfall from their their competitors into their stores. 
And then when we look at, um, I guess, some of the developments that are set to happen tomorrow, I mean, we saw the, some of the numbers in the quarterly labor force survey that came out yesterday, uh, last week, I should rather say, 2.2 million jobs lost, lost in the second quarter of 2020. Um, and it's certainly, I guess, one of the issues that uh, has uh, given rise to this particular action of a stay away tomorrow, uh, alongside gender-based violence, uh, what is seen as an attack to collective bargaining. Well, what do you make, I guess, of, of uh, the impact that this strike is potentially likely to have, not just in terms of like lost production, but also in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, some of the debates around the economic recovery document, which is expected uh, in, um, I guess, uh, within days now. Uh, we certainly heard over the weekend that uh, there's an expectation that it might be released sometime this week. I, I think, I think w if one takes a step back and looks at the, the, the whole thing about the unemployment figures, I mean, I think the government mm. is certainly taking us for fools by uh, announcing that the unemployment uh, figure uh, percentage is down to 23% when there are more people who are unemployed. And all they did is through the slate of hand called uh, uh, the classification of people as non-economic active. Uh, uh, and the question is, when did they go and ask those people that uh, uh, they are no longer interested in having jobs? I think uh, the reality is South Africa's unemployment uh, figure is about 42% uh, as we speak uh, of the mm. labor force. So, so, so that is the reality. So the, the, the movement by the, uh, the union, I think... I mean, I, I, I'm actually quite ambivalent in, in a sense that one side, uh, I'm in the uh, capital side of running businesses and you want businesses to run. But on the other side, is somebody who comes from this tough background uh, where I was a security guard. I mean, if these people are not going to liberate themselves uh, by actually sensitizing the government to the issues of the day, I don't think anybody could liberate them. And, and the government is stuck with indecision, they're not making any decisions about things that, uh, uh, reforms that can move the country forward. So are we to all sit back and do nothing? And, and I think if one cuts their minds back to the 80s, if people didn't uh, go on uh, uh, strikes and, uh, and a lot of picketing, the country would probably not have been liberated. So we are probably at that point where the... the the marginalized need to stand up and actually uh, fight back. So I, I definitely I've seen some comments and criticism, but I think it must happen. I think we need the government to realize that uh, they cannot mislead us with uh, information about unemployment, but also mm -hmm. not implement reforms. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I mean, the, the big question is around that. What kind of reform package? Uh, and uh, maybe the debate is not just about the, the elements of that reform package, but also, I guess, the speed with which it's going to be executed. Because it's, you know, it's one thing to, to agree on what it is that you're going to do, something entirely different, uh, you know, to do it expeditiously and as quickly as is needed to inject the necessary, um, I guess, uh, growth spurts into our economy. I think the, the challenge is that the government doesn't have money. That, that is the first thing. So the government needs to implement reforms that can uh, suit the private sector that, that has money. When you look at the uh, business confidence data, it is actually uh, very suppressed. And actual, actually, it is a leading indicator for business investment into the economy. And if you have people who have the money that are not 
confident about the future. That that creates a problem. So those reforms need to be coming through, and they they, they need to come through fairly quickly. And I think what is frustrating, uh, certainly for me, is that there is a whole lot of planning that is happening since the last three years. There's no action. The roads are rotten. The hospitals are struggling. Everywhere you look, there's a whole infrastructure that is falling uh, apart. On the other side, you hear about the corruption that is happening at the at the government level. Again, oh, where are the reforms? Well, why do we have to wait uh, for so long? Mm, 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 mm. Talking about reforms, uh, I guess one of those ref- uh, all of these reforms are expected or anticipated uh, to have an impact on uh, state-owned entities, and uh, one of those, of course, that is certainly a big headache uh, for the Department of Public Enterprise and the government as a whole is the Department. Uh, of public enterprises and the issue with SAA. Uh, and it seems now that uh, a report has been commissioned that has been leaked that suggests that SAA uh, ought to sign an equity or strategic equity partnership with Ethiopian Airlines. Um, just with what you know about Ethiopian Airlines, Willaki, I mean, uh, w- what do you make of this particular move? And do you think it's something that will be able, I guess, uh, to claw back SAA from the ashes that many people think it should be resigned to? Look, I think if they... they the deal could be struck with Ethiopian Airlines. I think it would be positive in the sense that Ethiopian Airlines has got a proven track record in running an airline successfully. And another thing is that because they've built this uh, uh, scale, they are able to do like a, a hub and spoke where they can basically mm. bring traffic into the into Ethiopia and then basically change over from there. So I would certainly think that it would be positive because... The government has to admit that they can't run an airline and they can remain a shareholder but allow the uh, private sector to basically run the the, the business. Mm, mm. Uh, so let's leave it there because our next conversation now is uh, certainly going to be taking a look at uh, one of the subsidiaries of SAA, that's uh, SA Express. And uh, it seems that some of the workers, they want a stake in that. But as well, okay, let's leave it there, Kwabe. I uh, really, really appreciate you taking time out to speak to us this evening. Thank you. That there was Zola Kim Gunu, Chief Investment Officer and Co-Founder at Benguela Global Fund Manager, speaking to us this evening.